With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It's a live episode here, Monday, November 9th. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris, and Britt Giroli with you. Kind of flipping the schedule around, talking about real baseball, because Eno had a story that went up. It was our featured story today at The Athletic. Almost everyone is using something, getting a grip on how MLB pitchers are cheating. We figured this was a good time to talk about it with Cy Young Awards going out later this week. So we're going to start there. We'll talk about awards. We'll take questions no matter where you're watching us today. We'll get some questions sprinkled in throughout the next 45 minutes or so as well. You know, let's just dive right into your story. I think the thing that really kind of caught me off guard is that we've reached this point where you have people now saying 99.9% of pitchers are now using something. Like It seemed like something maybe half of pitchers or three quarters of pitchers might have been doing, but We've reached the point where this is just a normal thing for pitchers to do, to use foreign substances to get a better grip, but also to increase spin and, you know, to get more late break. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think that maybe like when you ask someone, you get, uh, they get, they give you an idea of like what's happening around them. <laughs> so it's not, I, I, I couldn't do it in a way where I'm asking each one and like have great data and can tell you 76.8% are using. So, um, you know, what happened is a lot of people said almost everybody. And then uh, other people said almost everybody on other teams. You know, so uh, on our team, it's more like 50%, but almost everybody else over there. So I, I kind of, it wasn't uh, my best data moment, but it was, you know, I was like 75% is kind of where I'm landing, listening to all of you guys tell this to me. So even though, uh, you know, there are the people that are convinced that everybody's doing it, I don't think that's uh, maybe true. There's there's obviously low spin guys who don't want more spin. You know, there's 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 the, the sinker guys and, and, and there's definitely some low spin pitches where you don't need it but the way baseball is going is the high four scene with ride and the the sizzling breaking ball and both of those things are better with spin uh, just using pine tar or pelican grip or any of these things um, can uh, give you 300 rpm so that's like a definite uh, bonus and for hitters that say like oh you know I, I think it's for command and I think you know I don't want them to hit me um, I would just say like hit by pitches are at all time high like uh, like you're saying they could be worse than this like uh, I don't know I, I, I think that it's mostly people use it for the extra spin rate so uh, it's a kind of a performance enhancement it's not the same as steroids though because steroids had like this whole like you're, it's bad for your body you know, like later on, you have all these ramifications from it in terms of uh, liver and 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 there's like neuro uh, toxicity stuff. And, and so, you know, this one is kind of like, I'm not like hurting anybody. I'm just like putting this grip on my hand and the balls have terrible uh, seams, you know, because we've been tracking the whole the balls changing thing. So I, I don't know what I think would it's interesting to me is, um, you know, you talk to a hitter and they're like, screw those guys. Like, you know, they have to stop it, like enforce it. You talk to a pitcher and they're like, everybody does it. You know, like who cares? Um, the hitters are using it though, right? You know, the hitters are yeah. allowed to use pine tar. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't like change the spin rate. It, like it doesn't have the same effect. It's like, it's a little bit better to grip the bat. It's not like, um, it's not like they are, it's the, the equivalent would be saying you put, you put pine tar on your bat and you get like a tick of exit velocity. Right. You know, mm. See, that's that key. we got to figure out how to do that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's true. I can't I can't think of the mechanism. So <laughs> but I what I'm interested in is sort of throwing it back to you guys and being like, like, what, like how how much of a big deal does this? I, I, I my my meter's broken. Like, I don't know anymore what a big deal was. I knew about the trash can before it was like the biggest deal in the world. And then later on, looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the trash can was a big deal. 
But what do you guys think? Is this like a big deal? Is this like, is this like super cheating scandal? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. So I made some notes in anticipation of this like super huge topic, right? And and let me get my my blue blocker glasses on and let me show you guys. Um, should th- should this be allowed? Because it's basically been going on forever. Um, yeah. Yes. And then wait, wait, wait. But I, I had a better note. Um, yes, but in green. So either way, <laughs> either either way, way. Guys, I think this is ridiculous. Um, you can't. In, you got to ask, like, can you enforce it if they make it illegal? And the answer is no. That's why MLB has not made it illegal. So to me, if you can't stop people from cheating, why not just let everybody cheat, right? Why not level the playing field? So per these extensive, exhaustive notes that I spent all day doing <laughs> and then redoing because I realized you guys would read them in backwards. Uh, and in green. Uh, multiple <laughs> yeah. Sharpies here. A lot of work. Um, I just don't understand, you know, like, where do you go from here? Why not just allow something, whether it's a sunscreen or CBD, people are going to find ways to cheat. Um, we don't have to convince people that cheating is going on in baseball. So I, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Even as someone who just said a few minutes ago that I thought it was probably closer to 50% or even three quarters, I wasn't bothered by the 50% of the league that I thought was previously doing this. So it doesn't move the needle much for me. I don't know if you have a consistent substance that you try to legalize or if you just remove that rule entirely, if that actually you know, makes things level or change anything. I think the problem that people would have in general with the modern game is the amount of strikeouts, right? And I feel like to get rid of strikeouts at this point, it's not just going to be how you police foreign substances. It might be making a different change, moving the mound back a little, lowering the mound slightly. It might be a change like that that you have to do that actually gets you the outcome you want, right? I feel like this is the kind of thing that matters a little, but if you're actually trying to alter outcomes in the long run, you have to do something more drastic. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, the, the equipment that's on the field is like a source of, of change in the game. Uh, you know, we have a user, Paul, uh, here mentions that the hitters get to use batting gloves. And I don't know how much the batting gloves help, but you talk about batting gloves. You talk about the bat technology has changed. Now you've got the axe handle. You've got the different woods that it's I, I've had guys talk to me about this. And I, I don't know. My brain shuts off a little bit. I guess I'm more of a pitcher guy because I'm like, so the wood is is is, is hard pressure treated and the maple is better or the what? I'm like, uh, OK, I, I believe you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but when you think about it in the context of the game, like we're talking about strikeouts being like a, a big thing in the game. And we just had like, you know, an, an AL rookie of the year where both guys are striking out 30% of the time. Like it's kind of the, the future of the game seems to have more strikeouts. So it's like there's like this little part of me that's like, wow, this could be an opportunity to actually cut strikeouts a little bit. You know, like if you enforce this, you might actually cut strikeouts a little bit and that might be good for the game. Now, how you do it is different, though, because if you put the tacky ball in there and all of a sudden the tacky ball doesn't give you homers, then like what if we reduce strikeout rate by 1%? and kill half the homers, I think baseball yeah. would suck. There goes all the money, too. All the contracts yeah. are now being structured so that guys, like, they used to, it used to be you struck out a lot, no one wanted you, and it, it would affect you in, con- in like, arbitration and contracts. Now we know that's the opposite, so that's a great point. Um, I do have to say I'm partial to the Japanese sticky balls, you know. I don't know how much uh, you did in their research, <laughs> but I tweeted this every day for six months, all Buck Showalter talked about were these sticky balls, and I find <laughs> Not myself about rice balls either. Yeah, I, I find I find myself like pretty much an expert in Japanese sticky balls now. He brought them in <laughs> once to show. He was like, "Feel how sticky these balls are," and I was like, yeah, "Why did I?" This is why I got into journalism for things yeah, like right. this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's there's some yeah, I, there's some weird stuff. I think we could maybe do a, t- a tacky ball thing because you know the the mud thing that we're doing is so antiquated. Like it's like. <laughs> They get mud from this one place in the river and then they put it on. And, you know, the guys tell me in like Arizona, you put the mud on and it dries really quickly because you're in the desert. And then all of a sudden, like, it's like, would you want to throw a ball with dust on it? Like it, it turns to kind of dust, you know, like, yeah. why are we doing this still? Like, we're, we haven't gotten past like 
taking mud and putting it on the ball. And like, obviously it's not working because they, everyone's like coming up. And that was a funny thing too, like kind of going through this and just like having everyone tell me their, their, their secret sauce. And it's like, yeah, you know, like the Pepsi on the thing. And then, then you got to, you got to melt in some other like extra sugar, like extra sugar in the Pepsi. But my favorite one, uh, and, and there's like a whole list. There's a whole list of like all the different things that, that I put in that people have like tried. It was like CBD oil and shaving cream and all the different like grip substances. Um, but the one my favorite actually came in after the story published. Uh, I got a message from uh, a, a major league pitcher that said that he used his, his bong scrapings from his bong. So, um, <laughs> so uh, people were getting creative. And I think there is something about like the data tech situation we're in that people are like, well, I've got this machine over here. Let me throw some you know, shaving cream, some like lubricants. Like, what is uh, what is Tyra's <laughs> Sticky Grip? You know, is that a brand? What's it's a Pelican brand? Grip? Yeah, wow. there's Pelican. I guess Tyrus is a competing one. There's that that spray uh, <laughs> can of like grip that they have in the for the hitters, you know. So like, there's all this different stuff. I I didn't know about the bong the bong uh, resin until until today. But what happens is you got the machine like the Rapsodo going and and like like it seems really why not you like you know the dodgers are interested in you if you have like a 2400 spin rate you've got the machine that tells you what your spin rate is right away and you've got these things around anyway so you're like okay what happens if i stick my hand in this honey and and throw it like how does my spin rate do like you i think like you know people like i think they would do it i don't know i don't i don't don't, right i don't know if i'm angry about it so pepsi but not coke like i want to be clear on this and also, you guys, why did Banana Boat not sponsor this live stream? There were like a few <laughs> missed opportunities, I feel like, you know. <laughs> Come on, we need to be drowning that Banana Boat money, baby. <laughs> I, need, I need one of these notes to just be like, sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, yes. What was that, sponsor? Yes, in green. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming soon. The, uh, the thing about that list, though, it is mostly household items. Yeah, and I think sunscreen, uh, which... I, some the sunscreen is not even on the list, but the sunscreen is what I think. I, I when I get you know I, I really understand what Britt's saying. It's like, are we going to ban sunscreen? Like, how are you going to enforce all right. this stuff? Like, you're gonna like people were talking about like the MMA uh, check in. Have you seen that? Yeah, you've seen an MMA yes. check in. They yeah, like, where they the like guy totally is like they put his hands in their hair and they're like go and the and they touch them in the places and like. I, I like I, I would I guess they don't have to do that on TV. They could do it before the TV turns on, but it'd still be weird to bring your kids to a game and the umpires at the mound like massaging the pitcher and like touching him all over the place and <laughs> like the kid your kid's like, What's he doing? It's like, yeah. well he's looking for the tie's clear grip, you know? Right. As someone who's been frisked like one too many times at the airport, I, oh. I feel like that's not great entertainment, right? Yeah. Like I, I, it makes everyone I, yeah. think like this is like a police state. And and I didn't put this in the story because it, it's a whole nother can of worms. But think about like entering into a CBA negotiations and you like announce, OK, pitchers who we want to like, we'd love to talk to you guys about the CBA. But by the way, all pitchers, total frisk. Yeah. Total 100% then you ban sunblock. They're not signing like, up on that. I have a sunspot. I can sue MLB. Like, they just can't. To me, like, I don't know about you, you know, but like when doing this article, like, what is the next step? Is there a resolution to this? Or are we just going to kind of continue to turn a blind eye to it until one day a team has such an elaborate scheme that they've won the World Series and then we maybe ban them? I don't know. Just spitballing here. Well, Dodgers are definitely a team that people said we're doing 100%. But I, I wasn't trying to point fingers at anyone. I'm not trying to vacate titles based on their, their grip substance or whatever. No, no, no I'm not going there. Uh, but no, I, 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 yeah, it is kind of an arms race. And it's sometimes you kind of just want to be like, you guys are children. You know, like, it's just ridiculous. Any little loophole, like, people are just like, like, because let's say, okay, we give them a tacky substance. They have one in softball, right? Like Gorilla something. Yeah, it's they do. Gorilla, gorilla glue. glue. Is it, isn't it Gorilla Glue? Uh, something. No, that, that's what fixes your coffee Yeah, table that would be like, you try to throw the ball and it's like, 
still stuck to your hand. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's yachty with too much yeah. on, the, on the chest protector. You, you Gorilla glue is too much. <laughs> what about the stuff that repairs blisters, though? Like, where's the line, you know? Can you well, use something to, because I, I played softball, can you use something to, like, new skin? Like, something yeah, that yeah. Get, does get a little tacky. How do you stop that? Bueller had some new skin type stuff on him, but like whatever Bauer was doing was illegal or made the blood made illegal. I don't know. There, there are these weird lines that baseball doesn't really define. And, (laughs) but you know, if you're like, if you're, let's say you do give them a tacky substance, it's possible. This is like five years from now. I'm reporting how teams have taken the approved substance and are like sticking some boiled down Pepsi in there to make it better. You know, like what if you only get 50 or 75 RPM, like, I bet you people will still do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they probably still will. I mean, I'm glad you kind of brought up the, the elephant in the room. I mean, Trevor Bauer has pointed this out and then done experiments, and then he puts together a season in 2020 that makes him the favorite to win the NL Cy Young. We've seen Bauer pitch close to this level over a longer season one time before, but that looked like an outlier prior to 2020. So I'm just kind of curious now, like, is this the Bauer we expect going forward, barring a major change in the rules? Even if there were a change in the rules, don't you think Bauer's the kind of guy who tinkers enough to figure out a way to work through it? I mean, is elite ratios Trevor Bauer here to stay? That's sort of the going forward question, regardless whether he wins the, the Cy Young. Can we expect him to stay at this level going forward? <laughs> there was there was also, uh, I mean, the year before, there's like a real stark thing between, because 2019 was not good for him, but like he he had injuries. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I think, I think there was like a conflation of like he had some injuries and like some poor production that we've already regressed towards better production anyway this year. And then maybe he joined in with the crowd. I mean, I think from his perspective, and I don't want to put too many words in his in his mouth, um, or take any shine off of any award that he might win. But like from his perspective, it, it was a little bit like, well, I told everyone that everyone was doing this. I tried to point to Garrett Cole's spin rate increase. I tried to bring this up as an issue. I like back in 2018, he basically told everybody who was going to do it for an inning, and then he did it for an inning, and you could see his spin rates go up, and then he stopped doing it. And he was kind of like, well, if they're not going to bust me and they're not going to bust anybody else and they made this announcement at the beginning of the year, oh, we're going to try and bust people this year and they didn't bust a single person. And like, I, I honestly, like, I think if you tried to watch Bauer, you couldn't bust them. Like, I, you know, you could see some guys where they got the cap and then it's super obvious. And then there's then there's other people who are obviously doing that aren't as obvious. And um, I, I just feel like if I'm kind of like hopeless. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think we can do this. I think there's three ways it happens very prominently. The front of the cap, the back of the cap, and then uh, the belt. That's the other spot, too. You see, like Dustin May, I think, was going to the belt constantly in his playoff appearances. The hat, is, it stains. The hat's a terrible way yeah, to do it because obvious. it's just so obvious, <laughs> yeah. especially if your mix turns your hat white. You get a blue hat with a big white spot on the bill. Uh, and the hair, the just back of the neck the and the hair is the other Kimbrough's spot. We see a lot of it. <laughs> I don't think he's ever really replaced the hat. I think he just changes the logo. He just has someone stitch a new one on it because he <laughs> likes the stuff that's embedded in the original hat that he wore when he got into the league. But, I mean, jokes aside, I do think the long hair is the other place players are, are just hiding it. Like, Corbin Burns, every single batter, he takes the hat off, gets into the long hair, gets the hat back on. Come on, like, that. there's, there's an easy pattern there. But if you watch every pitcher on TV... Even the guys who are using it, you can't always see it. There are some methods that seem to be a lot more discreet than others. And I think that's where, if you start trying to ban it, the guys who have a better, more discreet method are still more likely to continue doing it because I think it's still going to be really hard. Given the enforcement with managers having to call it out and knowing their own guys are probably doing it, that's a deterrent in and of itself, right? So I just feel like this is a, a total gridlock situation. Yeah, not everyone is Pineda, right? Remember that huge ordeal with the Yankees where you can actually like, I think somebody took a photo of it, right? And you can actually like see the black spot like yeah, somewhere on the too. bill. Yeah, so, and you're right. You know, like how much are people like, listen, I w- I'm not going to tell on my guy because he's not going to tell on this side. It seems to me the only time it ever comes up is if a manager is just like really cranky about it, like if he's somehow, you know, just wants to to mess with the starting pitcher because a lot of times guys in the bullpen are like, hey, man, you just ruined it for all Don't of get us, us right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not our fault you can't hit him. <laughs> 
the the real story I remember was like uh, Brendan Donnelly, who was a, a guy who walked across the. He was a a, a strike breaker, like he was a replacement player. So people like didn't really like him. And then uh, Jose Guillen had played with him in in L.A. and then played with was with the, the Nationals. And he went and told Frank Robinson, "Hey, this guy cheats. You know, he does the pine tar." And uh, like we don't know if Frank Tom Frank Robinson cared at all about his union status or whatever, but he went out there and did it. Um, and then the very next night, uh, Mike Sosha had to come out and, and try Gary Majeski just because it was like, well, you did this to my guy, so I'm going to get you back. Uh, and they didn't catch Gary Majeski, which does not mean that Gary Majeski was not doing anything. They just <laughs> they didn't happen to stumble on the place. Like, you know, I, I think hair gel and, and, and sunscreen just make it impossible. Although you do see, it's really funny when you see a pitcher take the rosin bag and just like... Like right along the arm, All just over, like yeah. destroy their arm with the rosin bag. You're like, what? That's, I know what you're doing. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So like, you know, what would be the downside to just using these? Again, sorry, guys. I have to go back to the sticky balls. Like, what's the downside to using these? Sticky I think the balls? only one to me is that you cut the homers. Like that they that that they they that might and it might be an issue because like there there are drag reasons. Like a sticky ball probably doesn't run through, doesn't fly through the air the same way, right? So if it if it if it has more drag because it's sticky, then you could really demonstrate. You could like, I, and I know that I tried to reach out to some KBO contacts and it didn't it didn't work out. But I know that in KBO they made the ball tacky and they've also juiced and dejuiced the ball. They just are like very upfront about it. They're like, this year the ball will be different, and they make an announcement, and <laughs> it's very refreshing and different. But <laughs> I love, I love that the honesty and also like the grab, the like the cornucopia of like, well, who knows what the ball is going to be like this year? Let's just pull it well, out. We get that we part without the honesty. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like the Iron Chef approach. You know, you have a secret ingredient in Iron <laughs> Chef. You got a different ball, but you. <laughs> Yes, I love it. Open your baskets. This year, the ball is sticky. <laughs> yeah, this year, the ball is sticky. There you go. This go year, to the mound. This year, it's a cue ball. <laughs> exactly. Just keep changing it up. I mean, you got uh, all these different ways you can go about it. Let's talk about the awards that were given out on Monday night. Rookie of the Year awards were given up. Kyle Lewis gets the award on the American League side. Uh, Luis Robert, Christian Javier were the other two finalists, I think, a month into the season. It looked like Robert was going to be kind of a runaway winner. He cooled off quite a bit in the second half. And, uh, you know, Lewis was, I think he was a perfectly fine choice for the award. I don't think the AL had an obvious clear-cut winner. So uh, what was your guys' thought process looking at this pool of AL rookies and with Lewis coming out on top for this award? Yeah, I, I thought they probably made the right decision. What's tough, guys, and we talked about this so much on Rates and Barrels, is you're looking at that 60-game season with rookies and you're wondering, like, could they have held it in a regular season, right? Like, would it have held up? Would the race have changed drastically? I looked at those three guys, and I thought you could probably make a case for all of them. Uh, we've talked a lot about the White Sox and some of the the really strong, like, younger players that they have. So I did not have a vote for Rookie of the Year this year. So I was okay with kind of whoever won. I, I certainly think Lewis is a deserving guy, um, had a good season. But again, so much of this to me is just so impossible when you're talking about guys who didn't play very long to start with, and then you're looking at that trunicated season. So it was really tough. Of, of all the awards to judge, I thought Rookie of the Year, uh, when there's no like clear-cut Aaron Judge type of scenario, uh, was just really tough to judge. Yeah, there's probably um, another universe where these guys that were obviously tailing off, um, Robert, Robert, sorry, Robert, um, that's the way I'm going with it. I, I've read around. I've read it. I've tried I think it's Robert, um, but uh, Kyle Lewis uh, and both both of these guys were really telling off. And you, you kind of wonder if like if there was another 60 games, would they have come back on fire? Would one of them have separated from the other by making the adjustments they need to make? And it's it's also really hard for us to, when you think about next year is like which one of these two is more likely to make those adjustments and have the better strikeout rate and improve going forward is is Robert always going to be super toolsy and just have terrible plate stats in terms of strikeouts and walks? Um, you know, was Kyle Lewis making real gains? I don't know, but his his slide was not as bad, I think, as Robert's. And I think that's that's ended up what got him for it. And, and I think the pitchers Javier and Sheffield were my two favorite pitchers in the AL. And I just think that 
didn't do enough to you know separate themselves. Their advanced stats weren't that amazing, um, and they just didn't uh, they didn't have like a two ERA. You didn't have like a Devin Williams situation where like they just blew the league away. They were just pretty good rookies. So it was always like a two person race, and uh, and I I have no complaints with it. I just want to uh, pat myself on the back real quick. Bold prediction, Kyle Lewis wins AL Roy. I did that. I did that. Did you? Did you? I did that. Do we have tape? I have it in the athletic, in print. I did that. I had nothing to do with him winning. We have receipts. I predicted it. And there were seven other ones that I'll get wrong. (laughs) As long as you get one bold prediction right, that gives you currency to get about 20 wrong. I've tried for about three, but right now I'm running on two. And if you Darvish wins Cy... Then I'll get three, and that's always what I want. So, I think Darvish is perfectly deserving, but I don't think he's going to win. Part of my flaw as an analyst is that in this shortened season, I'm looking back to last year, and I'm looking at that as a way of trying to figure out what to expect going forward. I'm looking back at that to kind of separate Darvish's shortened season from Bauer's shortened season. I know that's wrong. The award is supposed to only be for this year, but I feel like you've got a six-way tie in the National League for the Cy Young Award. And there's only three finalists even who are going to be uh, part of the award show. But still, uh, I look back at Darvish turning the corner with the walk rate midway through last season. He's been a different guy for a longer period of time. He has been that true ace that the Cubs were expecting when they gave him that big contract a few years ago. Um, So, you know, I I look at that and I think, okay, maybe we can do the same thing uh, going forward as we... uh, kind of look at the other awards too, like lump in some of the stuff that happened in the past. You can't do that for Rookie of the Year, unfortunately. On the NL side, I think they got it right. I'm a Brewers fan, so I'm a little bit of a homer, but (laughs) I was looking at relievers earlier today. Devin Williams, he's the best reliever in the league in the shortened season. You look at what he was doing inside the zone, untouchable, right? And the strange thing is, he's an elite reliever with not terrible command. He actually has almost average command, which... Is refreshing, right? Because when I look at a reliever leaderboard and I look at the elite strikeout rates, you often see a bad walk rate attached to it because those guys, as nasty as they are, they don't know where it's going. So I had a question for you on this, you know, how reliable is a command score for a reliever when we're talking about a shortened season, especially? I mean, it's already a lot fewer innings than we get from a starter. How sticky to uh, use the theme of this episode, is a command score for a reliever over a sample of, say, 20 innings. I I asked them, and they said uh, they start to believe them at stats. Their sort of stabilization point is about uh, 200 uh, pitches. So uh, for a starter, that would be, you know, two good starts. I think for a reliever, you're talking about a couple weeks. Uh, but I think in a, in a season like this, you have a decent, you have a decent uh, idea. One of the reasons that it takes a start or two is that because you have to kind of align the scouting reports for the pitcher with, uh, what they're intending to do, right? You can't, you can't tell if like what they're intending to do a hundred percent until you kind of see what they've tried to do in the past. So there is like a little bit of like, uh, we have to get the scouting report on this pitcher, have to see what he's trying to do. And then we can say, oh, he's trying to do this. And this is this is how good he is at what he's trying to do. So it's all a guessing game anyway with command because you're trying to guess what the t- intent of the pitcher was, which makes it so difficult. But um, one thing that makes me a little uncomfortable about Devin Williams and, and, some, and some of these Cy Young guys is uh, they all come out of the Central and the Central was pretty bad. You know, and like the way the schedule worked this year, it's almost not as weird that it was 60 games. It's weird that they didn't play out of their geographical region. Right. So if you were in the center, like you got to central, you got to beat up on a lot of bad teams. And the East, like I think maybe DeGrom is not getting a fair shake in this NL Cy Young uh, discussion because he had to face better offenses, you know, day game in and game out uh, than someone like Bauer um, or even Williams. Yeah, and that, that was a lot of the case against Bauer, I feel like. But for me, guys, Williams was probably the easiest pick in the NL. Like you said, he was not just rookies. Like he was just a really good reliever. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, good for a rookie. I believe he is the last uh, reliever to win Rookie of the Year since Craig Breslow, right? And he was a non-closer, honestly. And, and Derek, I'm sure you can speak more to this being a Brewers fan, but that bullpen just consistently... 
is their strength. I mean, you look at guys who have come out of that bullpen over recent years, and you look at the fact that September has been owned largely by Milwaukee, and it's because of the roster expansion, and it's where they really weren't able to do it this year. And, you know, of course, does anybody do stats better than Jason Stark here? I mean, <laughs> look at this. Six times as That's many incredible. Wow. as hits. I mean. That's pretty impressive. Wow. And, you know, Chapman, obviously a closer, a late-inning guy. Uh, that's that's just some – you look at those hits. You look at – that really kind of wow. That is pretty amazing. I was looking at also some of the volume stuff because a lot of the arguments against uh, giving, you know, like a pitcher or at least a reliever, like one of these awards is the volume thing. And um, Tony Gonsolin, for example, um, had 175 batters faced to Devin Williams' 100. And uh, Devin Williams had more strikeouts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, the once you get to that level where you're just so amazing in the fewer... And, and the difference between 175 batters face and 100 batters face is not enough for me to be like, oh, Tony Gonsolin was better. Even though you could make that uh, that, uh, that argument with war. Um, I don't love war for pitchers anyway. So uh, I was cool with it, I think. But, you know, Cabrian Hayes just maybe didn't have that volume. You know, speaking of volume. Um, and Jake Cronenworth was maybe just a, a little step below. I keep trying to figure out what kind of player Cronenworth's going to be going forward. You know, he was a, a nice story for the first few weeks, especially. It was cool to see him get recognition as a finalist for the NL Rookie of the Year award. But is he more than a really good utility type player? And I feel like some people have a negative connotation attached to utility player. He, he's legitimately good at playing a few different positions and maybe more of like a league average sort of bat in my eyes. Like, Do either of you see more than that coming from Cronenworth going forward? No, I'm glad you brought that up because he he was kind of like the early like feel good story, right, of the season. You're like, "Oh, Crone Zone, look at him go." And the issue is the more people you talk to in the game, the more people are divided as what if anything to make of this season, right? You can't really evaluate this as a regular season, and like you said, Derek, you can't go back and say, "Well, he did this. Look at the back of his baseball card. He doesn't have a back of the baseball card." So, I think you almost have to just kind of hope for the best and kind of evaluate as if it's the worst this season. It seems like a lot of clubs uh, are basically just kind of throwing away a lot of what they saw, regardless of whether these guys were in the big leagues or at the alternate training site, because there was just so much unknown. So for me, I'd probably need to see him a little more. Um, is he that guy that stormed out or is he the guy who the league adjusted to and couldn't, couldn't adjust back? I mean, how many times have we seen like a hot month, from a pitcher or a hitter in baseball and they get run up the flagpole and then they just simply can't adjust. So I don't, I don't want to say like the jury's already out on him. I feel like you probably need another hundred games to get even close to what he would have gotten if this was a regular year. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it really is that way because even though you can say like his barrel rate was pretty good and he hit the ball hard and, um, you know, I think I see kind of like a Tommy Lastella with better, uh, with better defense, which is a pretty good player. It's a good player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Tommy Lastella with the power. So I think if the ball doesn't change much, I think, you know, Cronenworth can hit 15 to 20 homers, steal a couple bags and, and be a little bit better defensively, um, than Tommy Lastella. So I think he's a pretty good player, but it is interesting to think about, is that worth a, a, a rookie of the year thing? And um, do, do you care about the player's future when you're like, like, should you be thinking about 2019 or 2021 <laughs> when you're evaluating a rookie of the year? Shouldn't you just say this year he was the best? That's what you should do. But I think because, yeah, but as a fantasy player, especially somebody in keeper in dynasty leagues, like you want to be right forever. Like you want yeah, to have and you I think even the people best want player long term on the bunch. Like even people who want to vote want to vote for the guy they think is going to be better long term. I think it, I think it's true. Like there was that one guy, wasn't it the um, wasn't it the Brewer that like won Rookie of the Year and was like never any good afterwards? It was like Pat Listash. <laughs> Pat Listash. Pat Listash. Sorry. Got, he, Sorry. Yes, but also no, you know, because the what's his name in Chicago got Manager of the Year and he was Rick Renteria and was <laughs> yeah, fired. Right. So you can't be like, hey, let's make sure we get someone with some longevity when we pick this award. I mean, I think you yeah. kind of have to like tunnel vision it for the award. But if you're the organization and you actually have the player, you have to look at it and be like, 
okay, what do we really have here? Is it this 60-game stint? Because I've had scouts and baseball people equate that to, like, extended spring training. The regular season for MLB is being valued the same as extended spring training? That, to me, is just – it's mind-blowing. I, I don't know what you do with that. And Eno and I are both kind of interested in, like, this year and what happens overall for all the people who missed out on this season – and this Rookie of the Year is a good example. Are we going to, like, laugh at these picks in a few years? Are we going to laugh at all these awards in a few years? Dodgers seem like a deserving title winner, you know? <laughs> yeah, see, and I was thinking about that earlier today. I actually heard an Andrew Friedman interview while I was going to get groceries. Um, yeah, it was okay. But anyway, I was thinking about this Dodgers team, and I was like, you know, it was fitting that they won in the shortened season because they've been so close multiple times because they are so good at scoring runs and suppressing runs year over year over year. Like they, they felt like a just world series winner because they've had perennial success in the long haul, right? Like they, they were not a fluke at all to be there and they weren't a fluke to win. Uh, I think we would have different feelings about this season. If one of those low seeded playoff teams had made a run and found a way to win like the world the series. Derek's Astros. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my my Astros, uh, if, if they had won for all the things they've done, they have consistently been a contender. They've won one already. It wouldn't have been that ridiculous. It, it, all we're saying is like, if you gave Jake Cronenworth a full season, would he have continued to produce that level? The Astros wouldn't have finished below 500 over a full 162. Almost certainly they would have got above 500 and they wouldn't have been as much of a, a laugher on paper record wise being in the postseason. I feel like I've sort of already made that correction in my mind. But again, as a, they've become a team that I've grown very fond of uh, recently, uh, maybe I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but the other NL Rookie of the Year candidate I think is really interesting. He might end up being the best player in the bunch long term. I think he'd be everybody's choice for who's going to be the most valuable of the three finalists out of Cronenworth, you know, Bohm, and Devin Williams. Bohm, because of what he can do at the bat, He's a difference maker in the middle of the lineup. I think the underlying numbers kind of already support that. And the way he was utilized once he was called up, I think, supports that as well. I mean, is that a fair statement that you guys trust Alec Bohm to be the most likely great player of the Rookie of the Year candidates we've talked about? Okay, this <laughs> is the, like the best uh, thing I ever did. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> On the NL side, for sure, for sure. Yeah, do you guys... I do feel like too, like if he had come up maybe a little um, oh, yeah. er earlier, it certainly would have mattered, right? Um, I remember watching him late in the season, and I was like, man, w every club in baseball would kill to have a guy like this to, to call up, right? Like he yeah. is it. He is the guy. He he is going to be very good for a long time, health permitting. So yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's it's too bad that it that might have been the difference, but it really was because if you look at like Cabrian Hayes, like if Cabrian Hayes had been up all season, he might have won it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. That's He's one of the hardest players to project going forward. 24 games from Cabrian Hayes, but they were amazing. Five homers, hit 376, had a 442 on base percentage. I thought he'd be up sooner because defensively, he's probably been ready to play third base in the big leagues for a couple of Better years than already. Moran for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Colin Moran's a first-base DH type, and I'm not trying to be mean to Colin right. Moran. I'm trying to praise Cabrian Hayes as an advanced defender on the left side of the infield. Uh, so he's a great mystery player for 2021. He didn't really get a chance to have the league figure him out yet, and I'm sure it's going to happen, but the question is how quickly does he adjust back, and that's the great unknown. That's what makes trying to analyze this game so much fun. Uh, I want to throw one more awards-related question at you guys. Instead of asking you who you think is going to win awards coming up, we've joked on this show about Manager of the Year being like the worst award ever, and I think yeah, Rick Renneria being a finalist after being fired is, is a pretty good uh, nail in that coffin. So my question for you guys is, if you were going to replace the Manager of the Year award with a new award, what would you choose? What do you think should take its place? Foreign substance of the year would be uh, better than manager of the year. I'd like to see, I'd like to see a new list of of substances uh, every year. Uh, I want people to get really into that, like trying to come up with their own homemade concoction for maximizing spin. Yeah, see, like if every year you had this year eight or ten new substances, <laughs> lubricants, it'd be like giving out a scientific award, you know. And it 
It just edges Pepsi. If Pepsi or Sprite, Pepsi. I mean, <laughs> this is serious here. Isn't Sprite a Coke product? Um, you know, you got some, you got some rivalries already built in here. You know, with with the sticky grip, <laughs> with the Pelican grip and the Tyrus sticky grip. Um, yeah, I, I I like it. I don't know what what would your awards be. I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I mean, one of the problems is that there's been like kind of uh, award inflation, right? Like I would say um, a cool reliever award you know to to sort of like celebrate relievers better but there is one there's like there's some award the reliever fireman there's a reliever fireman of the year of the year reliever yeah. of the year yeah. it's like somebody they're all sponsored by somebody you know it's like i don't know separate mvp uh from best player but there is kind of this hank aaron award right and there's the Roberto Clemente Award for like the good guy. There's yeah, actually... we like we we reward a lot of these guys for. I mean, I, I don't. I don't... And managers. Maybe we could just get rid of it. <laughs> we live in a society that has an awful lot of awards. We live in the participation trophy era. Okay, yeah, I guess so. Let's just say it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Everyone but... gets an award. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, I guess managers deserve their day in the sun. But you know, I think to me, the day in the sun is like when you win the world series or like when you, you know what I mean? Like when you, when you turn a young team around, like you, you, the manager gets so much attention like from the media and like they talk to the media all the time. I don't, yeah, maybe get rid of it. I don't know. It's, um, or just embrace it and just be like, it's, it's a silly award. We, we have no way of really knowing how good managers are. And so we just, we do things, you know what it, like somebody said, it's, it's a test for how bad our narratives were in the spring. Whatever team we thought was going to be really bad and we wrote about in the spring and said they were going to be really bad, whatever, which one of those teams was actually good, they're the manager of the year. It's true. No, that's kind of how it works. What about best baseball podcast that used to be a fantasy podcast that occasionally doesn't talk about fantasy? Mm, on I the like athletic. what you're thinking. What I about like that? What I mean, that, that seems like a... St- it's very specific, but I do like our chances. <laughs> yeah, it uh, seems like maybe, it would be Maybe probably, getting some hardware. Yeah. It, at least being a finalist, you know, I think we can make we the final three one. if that's the award. <laughs> you know, it could be stacked, but I, I feel like we could maybe slip in there. I mean, I like I like a lot of the other shows that we do here, so I, I think the competition would be pretty tough. Uh, we got a few comments that have rolled in over the last little while, so I was going to pass those along. The first one is from AJG6882. These guys are throwing 99+, plus, and I think they should kind of have an idea where it's going. Yeah, see, I think that's the downside if you... If you take away foreign substances, command will get worse. Maybe not as much of a decline as as some would suggest, right? But it's it's going to be a problem if you have absolutely no substance whatsoever. Like I I don't think it's used primarily for grip, but I think that is a fact. If you also don't do anything, like if you just do enforcement, I think it'll be terrible. But if you did do enforcement and also give him a tacky ball or some approved substance or something. Then that's I think the probably the best way forward. But you know we also have a, a comment on Streamyard saying that my understanding is that hitters prefer allowing pitchers to use pine tar. This is from uh, Mike. Uh, y- you know yes, but at the same time hit by pitches are an all time high. So if we just take the grip substance away, are we gonna? We've already seen hit by pitches double almost in terms of rate over where it used to be. Are we gonna see that double again? Like. But at the same time, it's also doing something very good for pitchers that's not has anything to do with command. So I don't know. There were definitely some hitters that were mad about it, man. I I, I know there's this idea that hitters don't care, but the hitters I talked to were like, yo, F them. Some of the stuff, here's some stuff that got on the cutting room floor. One player, one hitter was like, so this is what happens. You see a kid come up. He struggles. He goes back down. He comes back out. He has better grip substance. He dominates. I swear to you. I swear to you that's what happens. Another hitter was like, yo, my friend, the pitcher, like opened up his bag one time to show me what he has uh, for, for, you know, getting ready for pitching. And there were like five cans of crap in there. He's just like, what is all that? He's like, oh, for grip. It's, it's, it's not they, like they don't even have one thing. They just like just load up on whatever i've seen pitchers like putting it in their glove while they're talking to me so uh i don't know it's definitely something they use to get better it's not just about grip have you seen that too brit players loading up just in front of you when you've been in in, around the clubhouse yeah it's very much an open thing like maybe what steroids were back in the day right like back in the 80s or 90s like before anyone cared it it is that people don't guys don't care because everyone's cheating 
Like Eno's article, everyone's doing it. So if you're not doing it, you're actually behind. So if I'm a pitcher, am I using it? Absolutely. Another thing that we didn't really get into is catchers have it a lot of times on their shin guards and they'll catch the ball, put it on there and throw it back to the pitcher. So there's like no actual way in my mind to totally eradicate it from the game. So MLB is right to not take up this fight because you're just not going to win. They'd be better off, like some people have already commented on our stream and on Twitter, moving the mound if they feel like pitchers are getting this unfair advantage than trying to eradicate any kind of sticky substance. Yeah, I'm increasingly I'm increasingly into lowering the mound or moving it back. There's something with the mound. And if it sounds like something that's crazy and like you're like, it's 60 feet, 6 inches, it's always has been. No, it hasn't. It hasn't always been that. We've changed the mound. We've changed the mound height. We've changed the mound distance. Like we've changed a lot of things. Um, maybe it has been 90 feet between the bases the whole time. But, you know, if, if someone made a convincing argument that 88 feet would make a difference, I'd listen. Right. <laughs> Also, when they dreamed up baseball, did anyone ever think that this, these many guys would be throwing 100? I, f- I find this very hard to believe, right? In the, back in the olden days, did anyone ever think that, hey, these guys are going to come out, everyone's going to be throwing 100? Yeah, when, it, when baseball started, they were like, I would like a high pitch, please. <laughs> I want to send a, a current pitcher, if possible, back in time. Someone who throws you know, 99 with movement and to send them back and just sneak them into a game and then just watch the reactions. It would be be amazing to see that. Like a like, witch. Burn them. Yeah. <laughs> Don't send this player too far back in time because <laughs> bad things would happen inevitably. He All right. Well, anything else on your guys' mind here as we uh, move through the rest of awards week? Anything you're looking for? I think the NL Cy Young is going to be fascinating. Like Ina said, there's going to be a lot of good, good pitchers like left off ballots. And you know what else also stresses me out? And I voted for NL Cy Young, so I had plenty of stress already. But the MVP ballot is full of stress. The picking in the top 10 is super hard in any year. (laughs) Try doing in a year where there were only 60 games and most teams didn't play each other. Right? Like, how do you evaluate? How do you how do you do that? I think I'd actually advocate for a shorter... I almost like want longer ballots in for the eight Hall of Fame and all this stuff. I'd almost argue for shorter ballots for MVP because like, uh, what you end up doing for 9 and 10 is... Uh, I, I think there's a temptation to be like, well, this guy was nicer. Yes. So, I agree. Know. Or like, I've watched this guy like more. Yeah, okay. he was good. Angel yeah. Pagan. Yeah, see yeah. you later. Yeah, yeah, thanks for blowing me off, sucker. Joke's on yeah. you. Uh. Right, yeah. <laughs> But they, yeah, I like, agree. It's it's too long, and and it, and it, and it like I think it's easier to be like these three guys are the best in the leagues than it is to be like these ten. It gets very confusing. I feel like even top five would be better. But you're right. Once mm-hmm. you get towards the end, like the MVP voting is very stressful for that reason. Then you always wonder that you're gonna like miss leave somebody out that should be in the five to ten, and everyone jumps all over you, and you're like, well, I got the first five right. You know, it's it, it's too many, too many. It's pretty MVP. stressful, actually. I, that, that, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to be like, oh, woe is us. And like people are like, we'd love to have the votes. But like, you know, <laughs> I, I did the manager of the year. Like my first time I had one of the first times I had a vote and I did like uh, Farrell did well by my numbers and he got fired at the end of the season. <laughs> I was like, uh, had to go on TV and be like, I guess I messed up. So. Did you, though, or did they, you know, because Rick Renteria got fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i don't know he rick Renteria seemed to, like he did a really good job and he he got through to a lot of young players on that team but at the same time like one thing that is not very statty for me like i did not think that his demeanor during the wild card game uh inspired much confidence he looked like he was uh heavy breathing and had his hands on his knees and it's just like yo dude like you're not really you're not like you're not doing the bochi thing where it's just like I am. I am good. Yeah, projecting confidence is what you want to do in that position. <laughs> we are going to win this game, especially with a young team. <laughs> Bochi, I feel like, really showed one emotion on the field, pretty much forever. Like it, you, you just knew what you were getting. Like every time out, he completely stoic all the time. I think that's what you want out of a manager. He's like a prophet for the team. He's like a, a, a energy setter. He's like a <laughs> This is this is who we are. This is our guy. I'm going to help you guys with this NL MVP thing. I think Freddie Freeman fully deserves it. And there's a narrative push on there, of course, given 
how sick he was when he was dealing with COVID prior to the start of the season. But just in terms of overall war and offensive production, I mean, Juan Soto in terms of WRC plus had a better season in 13 fewer games, but it's the complete package. I mean, Freddie Freeman did everything you want a hitter to do this year. If, if, if it were a fantasy award, people would be mad he doesn't steal bases, but he's as deserving of the NL MVP really as anybody in the shortened season. But would I be mad if Mookie Betts or Tatis or one of the other stars in the NL got it? Well, no, because I don't get outraged about these sorts of things. Yeah, that's fair. I don't get really outraged either, but for the players, it matters. It's money. It's status. Yeah. It's like numbers filling out your Wikipedia page. So, Hall of Fame. It matters for the Hall of Fame later, you know, yeah, and because too. people, that's how they 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 tabby it up. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I can get behind it. I think that Freddie Freeman was so far better than Tatis with the bat in the end that uh, that's what that's what decides it. Even though Tatis was awesome on defense this year and impacts the game more than Freeman on defense, you're talking about. Uh, Freddie Freeman being a hundred and eighty-seven percent better than league average, and Tatis being forty-nine. I mean, both are good numbers, but I can easily tell you which one is better. Yeah, and I'm also gonna say that like Juan Soto didn't get the love he should have gotten, and I understand he started the season late. No one knows whether he had COVID or not, so he did miss some time. But a lot of times I feel like Tatis was such a great story that people just blindly put him down without actually looking at a lot of the numbers. In which case, he really wasn't in my opinion, the MVP. And not, not when you look at the, the stats and the pure numbers. Yes, he's exciting. You don't get <laughs> bonus points, though, for being able to steal home. That's not what MVP is, you know? Unfortunately not. I'm, I'm looking into that. I'm looking into that because it's a weird thing. I'm like, getting a little bit into the card world again, found my cards uh, during COVID. And... <laughs> um, and I wanted, I wanted to write, I'm going to write something about, you know, which rookie cards I'm buying. And I was talking to some collectors and I was like, my stance is if I can buy someone, if I can buy a card for someone that I think is going to be good for a long time, or he's going to be good, better in the future, like a Joe Adele, then um, that would be a good sound investment. But they said that um, sometimes uh, with cards, like popularity matters more. So I'm interested in sort of um, investigating. This is one of the things I'm going to do this offseason is investigating the notion of popularity and how that reacts. And I think that probably matters for uh, MVP awards. So you're right. It shouldn't matter how sexy he is when he rounds the bases, but it does probably. <laughs> yeah. It does. Exactly. It sells cards for sure. Exactly. I, there's a lot of people getting into baseball cards again. It's unbelievable. Uh, Nando told me that if you see baseball cards at the store, you should just buy them because they're not usually there and you can just, you know, resell them on eBay if you don't want them or, uh, you know, find someone who wants them and help them out. But it's crazy how popular that has become uh, again in the last few months, especially after that hobby seemed like it was ruined just a few years ago. If you are not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up for $1 a week at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Be sure to check out Eno's story. Once you get that subscription, or if you already have one on Twitter, he's at Eno Saris. She is at Brit underscore Giroli, and I am at Derek Van Riper. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening.